Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, we're going to be looking together over in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God and forgiveness. And of course, this is Super Bowl Sunday, so for myself as a fan, I have to provide forgiveness, right? <laughs> I wish we'd have made it, but we didn't quite get there. So I guess uh, <clears throat> go Falcons. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I may see two different sides in here. I don't know. Forgiveness, the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is different uh, than most of us think. We tend to see life with a natural view and look at people around us with that natural view. And Jesus showed his disciples and others in his day that God's way seems inverted. It seems upside down. He said things like, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. That's not a concept that most of us want to think about. We, we want to be first and we, we want things the way we want it, right? But God looks at things a little bit different. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18 and how forgiveness and grace are something to give to others, not only to receive for ourselves. When I was a child, there were times when my brother and I would spar a little bit or fight a little bit, and I'm sure that none of you have ever done this with your siblings, if you had siblings. Uh, well, uh, when I would get on my brother's last, last nerve or vice versa, uh, we would kind of go at it, and mom or dad would step in, depending on who was there, and they would put an end to that for the most part. One time I remember uh, running away from my older brother. We had our, our uh, kitchen was here, and then we had a dining room here, and we had a living room here, and so, uh, and the chimney was there, and furniture. So we had a good running path. Well, we weren't allowed to run in the house, but <clears throat> this one particular day, I don't know, I had done something, probably not me, probably my brother, and he was running after me. And so we were running around that circle. And where the refrigerator was, we had the type where you open the freezer, you know, it's on top and the refrigerator's down below. And he's close behind me. I mean, I'm just getting on, trying to get out of there. And he gets up there and he's close to, behind me. And I flip that freezer door open. Whoosh, I get away. Because he landed on the floor, it wasn't so good, and I felt pretty bad after I did it. So those things happen. I'm sure I got in trouble, but actually that was punishment enough. So usually one was blaming the other for whatever mishap took place because each of us thought we had the right to our own actions the idea that I, sh I should be given grace because I deserved it, but he shouldn't be given grace because he didn't deserve it, right? It seemed to be come through there. I'm sure that some of you know what I'm talking about. We seem to learn our view of forgiveness and grace early on. Some learn it well and others don't. But most of all, we must learn what true grace and forgiveness is in the kingdom of heaven and how 
it affects us eternally. So at this point, we're going to look at the parable of the unmerciful servant. Powerful story. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, we'll look at first, and then we'll go back through the remainder of it. And it starts out this way, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations would say 70 times seven. So really, here at this point, Peter asks a very loaded question. And you have to keep this all in context of what's been taking place and what Jesus has been teaching up to this point. Now, Peter's question leads into the parable of, of Jesus called that unmerciful servant by many. The scholar D.A. Carson uh, titles this chapter 18 that we're looking at, Life Under Kingdom Authority. The setting starts actually back in 18.1 where, where when the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then right before our passage today, uh, we find that Jesus is telling the disciples how to treat others who have sinned against them by telling them to approach them in a correct way. So now we find ourselves in 18 verse 21 and 22 on this hot topic of Jesus' day and a significant topic for us today. Forgiveness and grace have never lost their importance, nor their impact for the short or the long term. This is the issue of personal forgiveness of every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. It relates to all of us. I know psychologists tell us even today that some of them will say that forgiveness is one of the larger issues that many people face and what causes so many challenges in their lives. Now back to this, the rabbi of Jesus' time said that a person might be forgiven for a repeated sin three times. They're saying, hey, three times, three times you're out. Strike, strike three, you're out, you're out of there. So if somebody sinned against them the fourth time, there was considered no forgiveness. This background is significant for us if we're going to understand what Jesus was saying and how it relates for us now. So let's, let's do this simply. Let's apply this in a simple manner. So uh, I go to the store and I buy a box of donuts, a big old box of donuts. We have some glazed donuts, some uh, cream-filled donuts, some cherry donuts, some gluten-free donuts for yours truly, and all of those, those great donuts, and, and they, are, they are wonderful. Everybody likes donuts, right? Well, most people do, and even a veggie donut for you that are still on your New Year's diet, right? If they make such a thing. So now, you, uh, now that it's, uh, I've got them, and you decide that you're going to go over and sneak over to my car where my box of donuts are, and you go and put your hand in there, take a donut out, and you take off. Well, I catch you. This is Monday. So you apologize. I forgive you, and I give you the donut. And Tuesday comes along, and I decide I'm going to get me another box of donuts, and I get them out, and then next thing I know, here you come along, and you sneak it, but I find you in the hall, 
and I forgive you, and I let you have the donut. So a couple days goes by. By this time, you know, I can't afford all the donuts every day. So I buy another big uh, box of donuts on Friday, and I'm ready to go. And, uh, and sure enough, for the third time, you take one, and I forgive you. But see, the rabbis of the day said this. You know what? No more forgiveness for you guys, you donut thieves, you. And so, so no more forgiveness. Uh, that's not necessarily what Jesus is saying, though. Monday rolls around, and I buy my most favorite gluten-free donut. You probably wouldn't want to eat it anyway. And you swipe it out of my hand. You take it out of my hand. And the old rabbis say, no forgiveness for you. But Jesus says, forgive that donut thief. This doesn't mean that the donut thief shouldn't make serious changes and repent from his donut thievery. So they still have responsibility, right? But that's not what we're looking at in this, por- this passage here. What it does mean is that I need to forgive you because you stole my donut and I need to forgive you. If we look back at Peter's question, it seems that Peter may have been trying to look a little better than those of his day by saying to saying to Jesus, uh, should we forgive up to seven times? You know, instead of the three, should we give up to seven, you know, forgive up to seven? Jesus ends up responding in verse 22, and he said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some say uh, seven times, or seven times 70. Some scholars uh, say that the Greek could barely just be taken to mean seven times uh, 70 times 7, which is 490 times, instead of the 70 plus 7, which is 77 times. But it does follow an Old Testament passage that was translated from the original Hebrew into Greek uh, as the number 77. But whatever you have there, it does. that's not really the issue so much. So you say, well, what is the point then? So really, the old rabbis were saying there is a limit to personal forgiveness. They said, you can only go up to this point, no more forgiveness. Now, Jesus has come along. He is ushering in the kingdom of heaven, and he sets the record straight. Jesus was not saying that it doesn't matter how much you sin or steal Mike's donuts. That's not the point. In the kingdom, there is a time to confront, as in Matthew 18, verse 15 to 20. But the point is that no matter what I need... Uh, uh, no matter what, I need to forgive you even if you take my donuts a hundred times without asking. So the focus is really on the person that is doing the forgiving, not the one being forgiven as much as in these couple verses. So there's not a limit of three or 77 or 490 or a thousand or a million. There's not a limit to that. Jesus has answered Peter's loaded question, and now he's going to hit the point home with a very powerful parable. And we understand that a parable is simply a story with a point. That's what parables are. And there may be several things that we can glean out of parables, uh, but usually the parables were uh, given to be able to drive this point home so that people got it. And that's something that Jesus did in a powerful way. Let's look at verse 23, and we'll look over in the remaining portion of the 
passage. I'm going to speak yet. I'm going to get it out. (laughs) If I don't get it out, somebody else can come up and read for me. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him, or 10,000 talents. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Today, we wouldn't see something like that because slavery was accepted back in those times, but that would be unbelievable. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will repay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let Verse 28, but when that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servants, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Sound familiar? But he refused. And said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Then the other servants saw what had happened and they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then verse 32 comes along and and the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That word from the Lord deserves pause, doesn't it? to think about what he is saying. Now let's look at this second part here. We see that the wicked servant had experienced forgiveness, but he gave it up. He forfeited it. He had received forgiveness. It's evident that this servant knew what forgiveness was. It may have been that his debt was a hefty mortgage that had been met its maturity date like we heard on the video. Or it could have been that he kept running short every month to pay his business expenses and then he needed some shopping money to be able to to take care of other things. And then over time, he built up a huge sum of debt. He owned at least 10, owed at least 10,000 bags or 10,000 talents of gold uh, that uh, translators would say a couple different ways. But some scholars would say that he basically owed about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. 20 years. That's a long time. And he was forgiven all of that. This servant knew what it was to be forgiven of his debt. How would it make you feel uh, if the bank came up to you tomorrow and said, look, you need to pay off your house today. But you asked the banker, give me time. Give me some time. So he says to you, I'm just going to stamp your house paid in full. Wouldn't that be awesome? The heavy debt of the servant was significant. The master was going to take everything this man owned and sell it to recoup his loan. He was in too deep, and in those days people could be sold into slavery. Yet, 
uh, his debt couldn't be paid off simply by selling his family into slavery. Uh, uh, history tells us that the top price in that day was about one talent for a slave and, and a, about one-tenth of that amount or less for more, was more common. But the master takes pity on him and he cancels his debt. He took the loss as a bad loan. I'm not sure about you, but if, if my family was going to be sold off to pay our debts, that'd just be unbearable. But someone went, something went wrong with the servant. And even the same happens with many today. The wicked servant must have been so focused on himself and his family. You can't say that it was just because he was totally selfish for himself, but he also had a family to take care of. And he didn't care about anyone but himself, himself and his family. Here he'd been forgiven from 20 years worth of debt. He and his family had been spared being sold off. And now he was so des desperate to get something for himself and his family that he went out to some other guy that, that, that owed him a, a hundred pieces of silver, which is about one day's wage at that time. And he's trying to get money out of him. Why did Jesus call him a wicked servant? It seems that he knew what it was like to be forgiven with the burdens gone. He had some understanding of this grace of forgiveness. Even then, he chose to withhold forgiveness himself. So it shows how ungrateful he really was in the end. He was forgiven, but he refused to forgive. Jesus replied then with a very powerful word that is relevant for us today in 2017. And he said this in verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We don't like to preach those words or read those words in 2017. It's like, oh, don't judge me, don't do this. But ultimately... We realize that God is our judge. And how we treat others around us is significant. And it can affect our eternity. We have to realize that these are the words from the Savior Himself. The Son of the living God who is in the presence of the Father and He came and He taught us. It's not easy. We also find in another gospel a similar teaching on forgiveness as Jesus teaches to pray in faith over in over in Mark chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, most people want to look at verse 24 and quote that and pray in faith, but they don't want to talk about uh, verse 25 because of the, the power of that. It reminds us about having faith, but also forgiveness. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and believe that you received it and it will be yours. Stop. But it doesn't really end there. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Don't forfeit, don't give up the grace and forgiveness that God has given to you. Choose to forgive as God has forgiven you. I don't think any of us deserve forgiveness really in many ways, but that's why we understand what the Scripture tells us 
the Apostle Paul told us in Romans. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We were ungodly. We were not perfect. We were broken, and we needed a Savior. That's why Christ came, so that we could have life. And that is good news to us. But we can share that good news with others. The final thing here is, is that the wicked servant's blind spot hindered his attitude towards the other guy. For some, it's easy to see other people's mistakes, but they miss their own because it's a blind spot. I would say most all of us have blind spots in our lives, and we have to ask the Lord to help us and to be able to deal with those so we can take care of them. Especially in the heat of the moment, people will see others' failures, but uh, we, our mis- for our mistake, we tend to say, well, that's, we had a, had a reason for it. Well, I'm sure the other person had a reason too, and maybe their intent wasn't to harm, and maybe it was. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5 tells us this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's that's a very challenging statement as well as we look at that. We realize that forgiveness is not only for us, but it's for the other guy too. It's for the other person that took our donuts or whatever they did. First John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, the Apostle John tells us, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. Challenging words again, reminding us that, hey, we were broken. We had sin in our life. We all have, and we need a Savior. Sometimes you'll hear things like this. It's that that other person messed up. They don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve for me to let them by. We all hear it. I think right now, unfortunately, we're living in a, a society of turmoil right now with all the political stuff and all those other things going on out there. Turmoil, hatred, it's sad. Christ calls us to forgiveness. He calls us to peace. What makes us think that we deserve forgiveness any more or less than someone else? This ends up becoming, I am better than that way of thinking. Spiritually destructive. But we realize that pride comes before the fall. It can, be, it can become a, well, my motives were right. In reality, your motives may not have been any better than the other person's. In fact, they may be very similar. Just a little different. And so we have to be able to recognize that, it, that it's God that sorts that stuff out. It's God that sorts that stuff out, not us. He is the ultimate judge and He uh, uh, sorts that stuff out. We have to let Him do that. And we can't think, well, that person should have done this. Well, we don't know all the situation. Only He does. He's the one that knows the heart. You ate my donuts. That's okay. I forgive you. I want to share a story with you. It's part of my story. uh, Having served in West Africa as a missionary back in the 90s. 
uh, it's a story of robbery. Uh, maybe it's therapeutic, like I told first, the first service. Maybe it's therapeutic and helpful to me to tell it. I don't know. But while I was a missionary uh, serving in West Africa, I worked with an older uh, Canadian couple. Uh, and uh, we were in a mission facility there we had where we taught emerging leaders of the day. And uh, we had a housing in it as well. So uh, that couple had their portion of the house and I had my portion. I was single that time. Jody was probably a thousand miles away in, an, in another uh, country of West Africa. We hadn't met yet. And, and uh, so I was there as a single and one night about uh, 1.30 in the morning, I'm woken up out of my bed in a hot African night and I hear this, and some of you may have heard this story, but I hear this, keep hearing this, this noise. And so I kind of, what's that? And I went back to sleep. And next thing you know, a few minutes later, I hear that same noise again. And uh, realized, and I jumped up out of my bed, got myself ready. I said, somebody is breaking in my house. And uh, so I went and saw the other guy, and we barricaded some doors to uh, keep his wife out of uh, the situation. And, and uh, we went, ran downstairs, and we could see the guys, I mean, from me to that front, uh, uh, the front row of chairs. And in fact, we actually probably got a little closer than that. And uh, he was trying to pry in the door. Well, little did I know there were three people there and they were trying to break in. And not only that, there were actually a total of six because there were three on the outside and threatened the other guards in the other places and said, if you say anything to anybody, we'll kill you. Uh, we had a security guard in our place and they had detained him. And, and so there we are. It's uh, uh, Harold and myself and his wife and we're quoting Psalm 91 back and forth. <laughs> And uh, I, uh, he had a little, a little souvenir sword, and I had a little a pick handle uh, to be able to protect ourselves to fend them off because we were upstairs, and and uh, the upstairs it was a, you know, solid concrete building. And so I told him, I whispered to him when we kind of retreated from where they were. I said, uh, they're going to get in. I know exactly where they're going to get in. There was particular doors that I thought they could probably break through, and so sure enough, they got in and. And we retreated back up to the stairs, and I probably won't go through all the story here, but uh, we got up there and tried to protect ourselves to keep them from uh, coming up. And in fact, uh, I didn't even watch Home Alone yet, and I, we were, I was pouring, pouring oil on the stairs, hoping that if they got up to a certain point, I could whack them and uh, keep them down the stairs. And uh, these guys, uh, they were, I mean, they were serious. Uh, they spoke good English. They spoke uh, Hausa. And I, was, and I could hear them speaking in Hausa because I speak a little bit of it. And they were going to try to take my Land Rover. And they couldn't get it, uh, they couldn't get it out the gates because they couldn't break the gates open, thankfully, thank the Lord, and get the other vehicle too. And, and so there we are, you know. And we are praying, quoting the scripture. And he's like, uh, uh, bring us your TV and all your money. And it's like, I'm a missionary. I don't even have a TV. We didn't at that time. I didn't tell him we had a laptop in the other room. Was I supposed to? No, no, no. And so this goes on from 1.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the morning. And so we're there, and uh, finally he's like, bring all your money and give it to us. Let us upstairs. And we're like, we're not letting you upstairs for anything, buddy. 
And so finally, I got down to, we had spent all our money that day. We didn't, I don't think we had a, uh, uh, a equivalent of a dollar bill other than some change. And so I had a thing, a bamboo cup sitting in there, and it was full of change. And so I went over to the edge to be a little ornery, I guess. And a missionary sometimes can be ornery. And I dumped the change out on the, uh, on the stairs. I said, there's what we have. <laughs> so gave him that and... And in fact, he, they had ransacked everything down below. And uh, the, in fact, some of the workers there had left money. We didn't even know it. And they had stored it uh, in some hidden places. And what was cool is they didn't even get that. And so they were there until like 5.30 in the morning. It was Saturday night. You know, church is next, the next morning. And here we are, and it was something else. And uh, after the ordeal was all done and everything, you're like, wow. Thank God we're still alive. But those kind of things happen to us in lives, in our lives. Some of you may have faced greater things, but there was something I had to do. I had to forgive them. I mean, those people violated us. They could have, they could have killed us. They could have harmed us severe, severely. But I remember talk, I talked to the leader. He's like at the stairs, halfway up the stairs, and we said, don't come up any further. And I said, why do you do this? He said, well, he said, I'm college educated. He said, I have a, a bachelor's degree. He said, but I can't get a job anywhere. There's no jobs here for us. And he said, this is what we do to make ends meet. And I said, you surely can find another way to do it. And uh, so, um, so they, they were struggling, but making some really poor choices. But after that, I had to choose in my heart, in my mind, that I would forgive them. They left, and you know, the next day has come, and, and you still have those flashbacks of all those things that took place and all that. And, but I had to choose to forgive. The, the question you could ask me, was it easy? No. Was it easy? No. I probably am awake in the middle of the night once in a while, still now, and that's 20 years ago from that. But because I chose to forgive and continue. If that stuff comes up now and bothers me, it doesn't like it used to. I'll just say, Lord, I forgive them. You know, there was a point where I was driving down the road from the house that I had lived in, and uh, while I was still over there, I was driving down the road, and this man, I didn't know, he looked very familiar, he stopped me and he said, hey, uh, Pastor Mike, I would like to talk to you sometime. I really need to talk to you about something. And I still feel in my heart that he was one of those guys that was there that night. And uh, he never did come, uh, but I still prayed for them and prayed that God would work in their lives and bring healing in their lives as well. You know, forgiveness is an extremely powerful tool where we can forgive people no matter what they've done. Some of you may have went through things that you would never want to speak about in all of your life. But I have to tell you that there's times that you have to bury the hatchet and forgive. If we want to be forgiven, according to what Jesus said, we need to forgive. You, you may say, well, you don't, you don't know what those, those people were mean. They were ruthless. They were vindictive. They may have been. And so were many of us before we came to church. And God had mercy on us and He forgave us and He redeemed us. And He allowed us to come into His family. And so for us, we have to make sure that forgiveness is paramount, that forgiveness is there. 
even if it comes back to you time and time again, make sure that you always choose to forgive. Did I have to fight? Yeah, it's a, it's a fight. It's a fight in those initial stages. Maybe not now like it was back years ago. It doesn't bother me like it used to. And so and I can just keep moving on. Uh, I may be more, uh, more aware of my surroundings now than I used to be. But on the other hand, if that stuff, whenever that stuff came back to me, I would, I would forgive. Romans 8, 6, for the mindset on the flesh is death, for the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. That's a scripture I would quote and I, I would say, uh, you know what, devil, you're not going to have me. I'm going to forgive them no matter what. We have to choose to forgive. As we wrap up this morning, let's consider Jesus' answer to the Apostle Peter. There really is no limit to our personal forgiveness to others, no matter their response. See, that's, that's one of the issues that some people get caught up in. They get worried, well, that person is like, oh, whatever. And you forgive them, you say, I forgive you, and they say, so. See, that part, we can't be responsible for that part. What we can be responsible for is our side. Scripture tells us about be at peace with all men as, far as, it, as long as it's up to you. We try to do our part to be a person who forgives. If they choose to accept that in whatever way, that's, that is up to them. And we can continue to pray for them that God would bless them and help, them, help their lives. So if it's, it's 490 times or 77 times or 70 times or four times, it doesn't matter how many times, but the big issue is, is that we forgive no matter what. Don't let yourself become like the wicked servant who enjoyed forgiveness beyond measure and then turn around and refuse to forgive those who have taken your dreams or just treated you poorly. Jesus, as a man, forgave others. You too have the power to forgive as well. What was it that Jesus said on the cross when he was dying? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what's up. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. You may still have those flashbacks of what happened to you, yet every time choose to forgive and let grace have the upper hand. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Choose to offer to others the grace that God has given to you our ministry team will come forward as we prepare to pray and to sing here for a little while. We're going to have prayer teams coming up shortly. But if you have not received the grace and forgiveness, now is the time for you. It is the time. You can receive that grace and forgiveness that He offers to you through the shed blood of Christ on the cross. And if you have not given grace to someone else who has treated you poorly, now is the time to take that step in prayer. There may be some here that say, you just don't realize what all they've taken away from me. Maybe I don't. Maybe I can't expect. I haven't experienced maybe what you've experienced. But I do know that Jesus, if He can forgive us of the things we've done and the, and the way we've lived, we can forgive others of the things they've done against us and how they've harmed us.
because God is a healer and he can bring healing and restoration you may say I don't know if I'll ever get that well you look to him but make sure that you're giving out that grace and that forgiveness to other people I want to pray with you and then our then we'll stand and then uh, our workers will come forward and we'll pray with you as you need to would you stand with let's just stand with me right now and let's pray father we need your grace we need your power we thank you father that you have sent your son into this world that we might be redeemed that we might be brought into the kingdom of god that we may be forgiven the lord help us that we would forgive those who are around us, Lord, those who have treated us maybe poorly. Help us to look to you. Give us the strength to forgive. And when we don't feel like we have it, we know that you will give us that ability. Father, I pray for those in this place that have some of those family members or friends and some of those that's been the nearest to them who have said things or done things that they feel like it's Father God, I know that with you there is hope. There is hope. And I pray that for each person this morning, they will look to you with that hope that you provide. In Jesus' name.